Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, running, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. Hello and welcome to a Friday edition of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. And I have good news for you. You will see three bright and shining faces <laughs> reunited and it feels so good. It's been uh, two weeks, I think. Roughly, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't on at all last week, so yeah. You know what? Coaching the Rams, even in the preseason, takes a lot of time. Um, you know we're trying to go back to back. I've got Aaron Donald, Miles Garretting people out at practice, so I've got to kind of rein those guys back in. It's it's been tough. I I feel like they're getting a little bit rowdy because I've been taking time away from the team to be here podcasting with you guys. It's not looking good, uh, you know. Um, I was just worried Aaron you know, Donald would hit you in the face also. with a helmet. Never, never. He knows this is the money maker. He would never do that. Smart man. How are you doing, Dennis? I know you're getting ready to go to a little high school football. I am. It's week two. Uh, we have a rivalry game, Hilliard-Bradley, who is our team, versus Hilliard-Darby, and uh, who's uh, the team of a couple of my son's little league teammates. So we're uh, he's excited to go. The wife's out of town. She's up in Cleveland going to see Tesla with her sister. So you know we'll knock out the show. We'll talk about how you guys think at running back rankings, and then uh, I'm off to, to watch high school football. You know, it's funny. I actually was not almost not here tonight because I was supposed to be at a high school football game. So I'm I'm was supposed to be at the Allen St. John Bosco game, but plans fell through after someone tore their Achilles. And uh, yeah, the scouting mission gone awry. Well, it's all right. It's all right. Dennis uh, hinted at it, but we looked at our top 24 consensus quarterbacks on Wednesday and we are going to look at our top 24 consensus running backs today so uh, no huge news uh, probably until the first part of next week when we see some sad cutdowns or god forbid some injuries so let's dive right into the rankings so all of us ranked our players then i uh, added them up divided by three and got what we got we have ironically a three-way tie for uh the 24th position uh that being uh devin singletary uh, A.J. Dillon and Cam Akers, and that's because uh, those three players, um, some of us ranked them, but not all of us had them in the top 24. Uh, Dennis and I both had Cam Akers. You did not quite have them in the top 24, Matt, so what is your concern about Cam Akers? Dennis and I had him at 24, so not incredibly high. I, well, I, I need to see it. I'm there every day. He, I don't think he's got his explosiveness back. No, I mean, obviously, 
he looked really good coming back that first game off the Achilles. But then, in my opinion, and I feel like a lot of other people feel the same way, but he he seemed to really kind of struggle throughout the rest of the playoffs. We've also never really seen him outside of Todd Gurley really give one back the ball. And this is not a shot at Cam Akers. He's not Todd Gurley. I feel like Darrell Henderson is still going to be very much involved in this offense. I think Cam Akers is probably like 85, maybe 90%. Is that good enough if he's going to be also, in my opinion, probably maybe not 50-50 split, but a 60-40, 65-35 split with Darrell Henderson? Like, Is that enough to get him to a top 24 RB finish, especially when I don't know that he's going to get a lot of receiving work either. So I have him ranked at 26. I, I, you know, it's not far off of you guys. I like, I didn't have him ranked like some players last year, but I, I just feel like I'm, there's a lot of questions I have about this offense. The one thing where I think I could be wrong is obviously we talked about this with the quarterbacks, Matt Stafford's elbow is, not quite as healthy as they're making it be. I could see them leaning a little bit more on Acres and Henderson, at which point I think maybe volume gets him to top 24, but lack of possible receiving upside and, and splitting with Darrell Henderson just has me a little bit worried. Dennis, you had him barely in, so you you feel two spots more confident, it appears. Well, I'm trying to pull something up here to see. it. It's looking a little screwy on me. I was... Because I, I ran across something on Twitter a while back, and it basically said that the um, there's only like three or four running backs that get like more than a sixty or sixty five percent snap share. So Zeke, Jonathan Taylor last year, and I can't remember the third, but I know what you're talking about. So it, it's it's it. When we're when we're looking at bell cows, there's really only a couple bell cow backs. Everybody's pretty much in a timeshare. It comes down to what is the what is the share made up of. So I think Acres. The the concern for me isn't that he's going to be in a timeshare because we always knew that, and so it'll depend on whether or not Henderson is healthy all year. But does Acres have the explosiveness back? Because he makes up for his lack of vision with explosiveness and power. And if he if he can't be explosive, you know, those holes that he doesn't see, he's not going to be able to get through the smaller ones that he does see. That's really my biggest concern. I think he's going to have an okay year. I think RB24 is, is a, a decent uh, a ranking for him. So the next one in the tie, Matt was the only one that had him in the top 24, and that's Devin Singletary. I will admit, I, I'm pulled for Singletary. He looked very explosive against Denver's second team unit when he was crushing all my hopes and dreams last week. Um, you had him at running back 23. Dennis and I both had him out of our top 24. What do you like about Singletary this year? I think we're riding him off too early. I mean, he's looked really good in preseason. We talked again, we're just going back to the quarterback stuff that we did on Wednesday. We talked about how great Josh Allen's looked as well. Right. And I believe the Rams are on a mission to try and get back to the Super Bowl and, or get to the Super Bowl and win it. Devin Singletary looked good in the back end of last year and in the playoffs, he's continuing carrying that forward. I, you know, much like with Cam Akers, I just talked about, I do think he's obviously probably losing out on some receiving work to James Cook. 
I know James Cook has looked good, but I feel like that's something that's hurting Singletary. Everybody keeps talking about like him now being the guy. Like I still think Singletary's the better you running back. What was interesting watching? So you don't take a ton away from preseason, but one thing you can take away from preseason, in my opinion, is the guys that they choose not to play when their starters are out, but also where players come in. Cook was the third running back in. Moss has somehow right. put himself back in as running back two when that happened and he came in and he was still playing with like the first string offensive line. I was like, Oh Lord. So I don't think Moss is long for the team. If I'm being on, or I don't think he's going to stay the two. I do think cook takes that role at some point in time this season. So where I could see that hurting Singletary's values, obviously if what they brought Moss in for was in the red zone, right? So if Singletary's not scoring those touchdowns, it's going to hurt you. But I think he's the main running back. He's the guy they're going to hand the ball off to. We've seen he's had explosive plays. I think he's going to get a decent amount of volumes. I just don't think they're going to trust James Cook to run the ball. I, I have not necessarily been that in on Cook, and I think he's kind of getting overblown because of a couple really nice plays in the preseason. I think next year is probably a better year for Cook than this year. So that's why I put him up. because I expect the Bills to possibly have the best offense in the NFL this year. And because of that, I think Singletary will benefit from that. I don't – could be wrong, and I have a, I have a lot of – roster ship shares of Josh Allen. So part of me hopes I'm dead wrong on this fact. I think they're eventually going to get away from him being the goal line back. So I think he's going to get rushing touchdowns, a lot of rushing yards, but I think when they get down in there, it's going to go to Moss and Singletary. So I, I, I like Singletary to have a good season this year. And he was yeah. RB 18 last year. So you may not be that far off. I, mean, I kind of agree with the thought on Josh Allen, because we saw what happened with Cam Newton, just because you're big, fast and strong, doesn't mean the hits don't add up and wear you out. Uh, the thing with Singletary, I think he's going to be the lead back, but I agree with you. It's going to be a three-back committee. It, and it isn't that they don't trust Cook to carry the ball. It's just they look at him and know he can't carry the ball 15 times a game and hold up. So he'll get some running plays. He'll get some passing plays. Singletary will, will probably lead the team in carries. But it's also the last year of his contract, and they're not going to re-sign him. So next year, it's going to be Moss and Cook and probably some other veteran. I think this year, Duke Johnson is gone. But it is going to be a three-headed monster this year because, like you said, Moss has kind of had a resurgence. So the uh, the third of these backs is a guy that only I had in my top 24, and that's A.J. Dillon. He was running back 22 last year, had 187 carries, 803 yards, and five touchdowns. I expect the Packers are going to be more run heavy. I think Dillon gets up over 200 carries. I think they're going to use Aaron Jones more in the passing game, especially since Aaron Rodgers seems to be going out of his way to alienate his wide receivers by commenting about how much they suck uh, in the media. So... Um, I liked Dylan. Dennis, you were really close. You had him at 25. What do you think about Dylan this year? You know, I, I like Dylan a lot. It's, you know, looking at my rankings, if, if we're in that mood right now where if you said, hey, Dennis, you need to do an update real quick, I'd probably flip-flop Dylan and um, Montgomery. Uh Dylan, I'm getting more and more into him. I think he's going to get a significant share. Uh, I, it's the, the hard part for me is that we have seen Aaron Jones be really, really successful as a runner. And granted, he's kind of shared the load the whole time, but he's still the lead back there. 
getting 225, 250, 270 carries out of Aaron Jones isn't going to surprise anybody, I don't think. Um, it's probably more in the 220 to 250 range. And then 60 to 70 pass receptions. I think Jones could have a huge year. Dylan, a lot of it, I think, is going to depend on is he converting touchdowns. But I, I like I like him a lot. Not it, it took uh, it took an awful lot for me not to have him in my top twenty four. Well, we'll move ahead, and our running back that comes in number twenty three in consensus is a guy who has been spending uh, much of this off season and preseason falling, and that is Antonio Gibson. He finished as running back ten last year, but not great uh, energy coming out of camp, where he's been spotted working with the third team and the punt unit at times. Uh, I had him at running back twenty two. I still want to believe Dennis had him at running back twenty three. Matt, you had him down at twenty five. Are you scared? Not necessarily. Well, I guess um, Gator Jay is asking, could we see Aaron Jones more in the slot and Dylan as the main back? I do think they'll, I think Jones is the better receiver. So I don't know if they'll put him in the slot, but I do think he gets more of the receiving work, which is why I dropped Dylan a little bit. Cause I don't know that he gets the rushing volume that I want him to get to be a top 24 back. I don't remember where I was trying to look where I had him. You so had him at 20. 28. And for yeah, me, if I'm being that. honest, like, Running backs 20 through like 30 were very interchangeable. Like I, I've moved those guys like three or four times this morning as I was trying to finalize them so that you can pull the consensus. But uh, on Gibson, it's not that I'm worried about him, but I don't believe it's quote unquote fake news. What Brian Robinson has done this off season. I think Washington has told us what they think about Antonio Gibson and the fact that they went out and brought back, J.D. McKissick. They, they could have let him go to the Bills. They did not do that. They went, they got him to come back to the team. Then they go and get Brian Robinson. If, if you really believed in Antonio Gibson, you're not going and waste. I shouldn't say wasting, spending third-round draft capital to get Brian Robinson. You're not going and paying J.D. McKissick to come back, which in my opinion, Antonio Gibson is a better version of J.D. McKissick. Like, he is a really good receiver. Like, he ding, was ding, a ding, ding, yeah, he was a wide receiver in college, guys. Like, I don't understand what Washington is doing. I hate to say this because I am a massive fan of Riverboat Ron. I think he's kind of losing it a little bit here. I, I don't love what he's doing in Washington. And the final thing that comes from that is I don't think Washington's going to be a good team. I think there's a legitimate shot they're fighting with the Giants to be the worst team in that division, one of the worst teams in the NFC. I know Wentz has looked better. And that's the only reason I ranked him as high as I did because Wentz, well, no, Wentz didn't even dump the ball off that much last year to Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines. So I don't think he's going to do that with Antonio Gibson. I don't think he's going to get that much rushing volumes. I think it's going to be split between him and Brian Robinson. So I don't believe he's just a punt returner, kick returner like he's been doing. I do think he has a role. I I still think he's the starter, but I just, it's too much. There's, as Dennis mentioned with um, the team we were just talking about, the three-headed backfield, Devin Singletary, James Cook, and uh, Zach Moss, I think it's the same thing here. And the only difference is I don't know that Antonio Gibson's going to get the volume. Singletary's going to get rushing the ball. Yeah, I, I think Gibson is going to be the lead back uh, in Washington. Uh, I mean, if you remember, now Robinson's draft capital kind of went contrary to what the draft Knicks felt about his athletic profile um, and, and the, uh, the draft nerds about his metrics, his, uh, 
uh, oh, I, I forget the analytical profile because he was a fifth year senior and he didn't get to play when he was there the first four years. He didn't hardly play at all. So there, there are some concerns because there's not been a lot of guys come in that are didn't play until their fifth year and then had success and then went to the NFL and had success. I think Robinson will get some opportunity, but I still think that Gibson leads the way. He's kind of like um, uh, Travis Etienne in that he's super explosive. He probably catches the ball better than ETN, but they both struggle with inside vision. When you get them in a cluster, they don't always see the hole, and that's really Gibson's downfall. And I think what happens is Rivera goes in and watches the film, and he comes out and he's like, you know, Gibson left 18 yards on the field because he picked the wrong hole five times. All right, that's great. You know, he still rushed for 112 yards and a touchdown and caught two passes for for 11 yards, bailed you out on third down there. But they get wrapped up in some of this minute and they they kind of lose the forest for the trees, being that Gibson is the best of the three backs that they have there. And if they try to make him Cordero Patterson, uh, where they just use him on special teams, I, I think it ends up being a train train wreck for Rivera. I like Gibson. I think he's explosive. I don't think he's going to be RB10, but I think top 24 is, is pretty comfortable. And I love the value now that he's dropping. You know, I also think you have a fair point about Rivera because it's fair to wonder if the NFC East as a whole hadn't gone into the toilet in 2020 and seven and nine been good enough to win a division, would he be more on the hot seat because he's only won seven games a season both years he's been there. Washington was kind of a cool story that first year because they ended up making the playoffs, but that might have had more to do with how terrible that division was. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to – I do think he's a good coach. You don't take a Carolina team like that to the – I mean, he had him in the playoffs multiple years, got him to two Super Bowls, if I remember correctly, lost to – no, he wasn't there with uh, DeLone, was he? It was just Cam Newton. So he got him to the one Super Bowl where obviously they lost, but that that was a great Seattle might have been there when they had DeLone, but they didn't make the Super Bowl. They lost to the Patriots. I don't think he was the coach then is what I'm saying. Uh, now that I think about it, but they did go with DeLome because yeah, a couple right. years later, DeLome came to Cleveland. And I had my hopes high that he might help bring Cleveland to Super Bowl. Anyways, long story short, I also don't think it's all Rivera's fault. Washington's front off. Washington's just a bad franchise. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Like They're not doing him any favors, but I don't think he's helping himself either. Yeah, and I'm like Dennis. I have hopes that he'll get enough usage to be a low-end running back too this year, but I'm very concerned about his future for Dynasty. Um, it's good that you brought up Travis Etienne uh, there, Dennis, because he is next up coming in at running back 22 in consensus. Uh, Matt had him at running back 22, so he was dead on. I had him way lower at running back 29, but Dennis, true believer, you have him at running back 18. His ADP is running back 19. Hasn't taken a snap in the NFL. A lot of talk that James Robinson is the starter still when he comes back. None of that worries you, Dennis? You know, I, I love the James Robinson story, you know, undrafted free agent, small school guy. You know, those are everybody, every, what is it, Horatio Alger or Horatio, Horatio Alger or whoever it is, you know, the pull yourself up by your bootstraps guy. That, you know, that's James Robinson. 
and while ETN lacks vision in the in a crowd and inside, he is super explosive. As long as he's running forward, there's not going to be a lot of guys that can catch him. And so they just got to get him in space. And I think that that's what Peterson will do. He'll carry the ball a fairly significant number of times. I feel like he's going to probably split pretty evenly with Robinson uh, and or Snoop Connor, the touches from the running back spot. But ETN is going to really outpace them in the passing game. And I think the explosive plays are what is going to be the difference between ETN and, say, you know, David Montgomery. I really don't know what to think about ETN. I don't – so Dennis just brought up Antonio Gibson a minute ago and said that he believes he's a better pass catcher. I don't even think he believes he is. There's no doubt about that. He is. Travis Etienne's receiving ability is being widely overstated, in my opinion, because of a couple camp videos where he catches the ball against nobody. Now, I will, as I stated on the QB stream that we had on Wednesday, I have not watched a lot of preseason games, so maybe he's been out there and been bossing linebackers and running routes. I don't know. I haven't watched. That being said, if you really go dig into the stats that he had in college, and I get he had a decent amount of catches when you when you talk about catches for running backs in college it's not a lot like you're not expecting I don't remember who had I think someone had like 60 or 80 in the NFL one year like you're not getting anywhere near that like if a college running back has that like they're going to be considered a transcendent receiving back coming into the NFL Travis Etienne had a total of I was trying to pull it up really quick 48 receptions over four years in his first two years, he had 5 and 12, and then he really kicked it up his junior and senior year with 37 and 48. What he became fairly well known for that senior year is coming into the year, he openly stated he is afraid to catch the ball. A lot of people made fun of him. Then he goes out there and catches 48 balls for 588 yards and two touchdowns, and everybody's like, this face guy. Face your fears, Matt. You got to face your fears. I agree, and he did a, a good job of it in a way. In the fact that when you say face your fears, if you're scared of the dark, what he did was he stood in a room with the dark, but he had a bright light right outside the door. So he could the light came in underneath the cracks of the door, and the room wasn't actually pitch dark and pitch black. And what I mean by that is 85% of Travis Etienne's receptions came behind the line of scrimmage in his college career. That is not a receiving back, folks. If you catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage, you are not a receiving back. You are not running routes. You are not catching the ball deep. That's what we're talking about when we say Antonio Gibson is an actual receiving back. He can catch the ball. He can run routes. In fact, just mentioned he had 48 catches over his senior year, correct? Only two of those came from more than eight yards. Two out of 48 was more than eight yards down the field. I'm not saying that he's a bad receiving back, has stone hands. Obviously, if you catch the ball 48 times, even if 80% of them are behind the line of scrimmage, you still are able to catch the ball. Doesn't have a ton of drops. But he's not this, like, goaded receiving back that people are making him out to be. On top of that, when's the last running back we've seen be good in a Doug Peterson offense? I'll hang up and wait because it's going to take you a while to give me the answer. We haven't seen one. I don't believe that Travis Etienne is going to be this 
bell cow running back. As Dennis mentioned earlier in this show, there's been like three a year. I can bet you the mortgage on my house that Travis Etienne ain't going to be one of those three this year. Whether James Robinson is healthy to start the season or not, when he comes back, I guarantee he will be a major factor in that backfield. That's I mean, I have him at 22. I'm pretty sure I said before I didn't even think I'd have him as a top 24 back. I'm conceding a little bit there and saying, you know what, I will put him as a, as a top 24 running back because he will get some catches. I think he will get touchdowns. I expect the Jags to be a little bit better this year. But the people talking about being him a top 12 running back and a top 12 guy in Dynasty, top 12 guy in redraft, like I just – I'll retire from fantasy football if that happens this year. Cause like, I just, I don't see it. Like I, I don't see the, the path to success there because he's not the receiver that some people like to make him out to be. He's just not. Well, the next one up on our list at running back 21 in consensus is Josh Jacobs. I had him right at 21. Dennis had him at 19. Matt, you were a little bit higher at 18, not worried about Zamir white and Amir Abdullah. Not necessarily. I am a little bit worried about Josh McDaniels because he yeah. comes from that, that Patriots coaching tree. And I would, they actually, it's not even that they also have Brandon Bolden, who I would not be surprised comes in and gets a couple of carries here and there. They no longer have Kenyon Drake at least though. And yeah, that, that is a good thing. So it's not four, but they'll probably sign someone after all the cuts are made. They'll see some guy who's like, Oh, there's that veteran running back we need for our room to complete it. I just think that they're going to kind of run him. I, I think we see that the end is coming for him in, in Las Vegas. As I've mentioned before, I've never been a big fan of his coming out. He was my third-ranked running back behind David Montgomery and Miles Sanders. I feel fairly good about having Montgomery ahead of him. I feel like he's proven that he's a good running back. Miles Sanders, whether you want to say injuries, whatever, has not been great. Josh Jacobs has produced, though. He's had injuries. He's told us he was going to play and then did it, and it upset a lot of people in the fantasy community. Overall, though, he's produced every time he's been on the field. I just think that they're going to run him into the ground, and we've talked about, like, we have Derek Carr right up toward our top 12. They're in a very tough division, a very tough conference. I think this is going to be an offense that's going to be trying to score a ton of points every single week. So I think he benefits from that when they get down in the red zone and he gets himself. So, like I could see him having a um, LeGarrette Blunt type season for the Patriots where he's just maybe only gets you like 600, 700 rushing yards, but he gets like 15 touchdowns because when they get down in the red zone and they just let him run it in, I think Zamir White's the future. James Conner did that for an RB5 yeah. season last year. There you go. Like, I mean, I don't know that he gets that. Conner had like 20 touchdowns, right? I don't know that Jacobs gets 20, but I think he's going to be the guy when they get in the red zone. And so I, I think he's going to be in for a pretty good season this year. Last year, Josh Jacobs had a 54, 55% snap share. So I, I don't see that going up. So it's as much as, we want to buy into the theory that they're going to ride him into the ground. I, I see Brandon Bolden having a Gary Barnage season and catching 75 passes. I think something crazy like that is going to happen. You know, Amir Abdul is going to return kicks and Zamir White will be the heir apparent to Jacobs who ends up splitting time with him. But I, I like, I think Jacobs is kind of getting the shaft. Uh, I think he's a better back than he gets credit for. I'm not sure why he doesn't get a better opportunity. Um, I know with McDaniels, it's because he's just a he's a super smart coach, and he's going to do it the Josh uh, the uh, Josh McDaniel Patriot way. So you know it, it is what it is. I don't think Jacobs goes out on the free agent market next year and commands a huge deal. 
he probably signs a two-year deal in free agency next year and goes somewhere where they expect he could be the lead back. But if somebody overtakes him, it doesn't cost him a lot of money to get rid of him kind of approach. Probably end up going to like the, the Jets, the way things are going. Just to uh, nah, probably replace Melvin Gordon. That's what I was about to say, too, That's actually. <laughs> he's gonna get All right. Well, on that sad note. Just, well, real quick, because I just want to like Dennis brought up that he had the 55. I mean, he still finishes a top 20 running back last year, though, too, in fantasy. Like, even if he if he still commands the same share, like, I think he's still going to be really good. Football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, the first ever NFT fantasy game for DraftKings. It is the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. You can now play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise. Right now, everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and earn points for touchdowns, receptions, and more. Just like daily fantasy football. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contest all season long to compete for millions in prizes. Guys, the next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up for the promo code with the promo code TPPN. That is TPPN. Click the Rainmakers title and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That is promo code TPPN. Build, play, win only at DraftKings. I know the next uh, the next two running backs came up tied, and that is James Conner and David Montgomery. Their cumulative totals were both uh, nineteen uh, on average. For Conner, I was the highest. I had him at seventeen. You guys both had him at twenty. Um, he was RB five last year, thanks in part to immaculate touchdown production. David Montgomery, Matt was the highest at 17. Dennis, you were the lowest at 22. I had him right at 18. So I'll throw it to you, Dennis, first. How are you feeling about these backs? You you had them lower than uh, both of us. And I, I'm i kind of edging Montgomery even lower. I'm So Montgomery has had a, a great career for the kind of back he is. Um but he's not athletic and he's going to be playing behind a shitty offensive line with a second year quarterback on his second NFL head coach and uh, offensive coordinator with Darnell Mooney as the number one wide receiver. So there's a lot that could go wrong there for the, the Chicago bears. I think Montgomery who's never been known as being a super efficient back having a, a high yards uh, before contact kind of guy. I I think he's a good back. I I just think he's going to struggle. It, it feels like we're going into like a 3.7 yard per carry kind of season for David Montgomery. And then you've got Tristan Ebner and Khalil Herbert, who are both more, a little, little bit more athletic uh, and haven't taken the hits that Montgomery has over the past three years. And so I, I think there's going to be some, I think it's just going to be a challenging year for the Bears all around. I just don't think the team is going to be very good. So when they're behind, they're going to have to throw. 
Uh, it's going to limit some of the opportunities that Montgomery gets. And so I'm, I'm just, that's where my level of concern is. Because if you remember when they were coming in, Mont- Montgomery was my RB1 coming into his rookie season. And I've and felt he very probably pleased. has been the RB1 of the three of them. Correct. Uh, I, I would concur. And I, I think I'd say Jacobs was, and that hurts to say that. <laughs> He's been more consistent. I know Montgomery had the one better season, but Jacobs has been top 14, I believe, or outside of this past year, we were 16. He's been top every single year. Montgomery was bad that rookie season. So I I, I like I I like Montgomery. I just think you know the hashtag two two three year window is slamming shut real fast. I I mean I have Montgomery at seventeen. I think he's going to be fine. Maybe I'm overrating what I think Justin Fields is going to be able to do for this offense. I, I we we always hear rushing quarterbacks help. Not just a bad offensive line, but the running backs. I do think they're going to use Justin Fields as a rusher a little bit more because of, as Dennis mentioned, it's a bad offensive line. And realistically, outside of Darnell Mooney, they have they have Cole Komet. I just talked to earlier on Wednesday to not forget about Cole Komet. Then I almost forgot about Cole Komet. They do have Cole Komet, who I think is going to help out Fields as well. I love Khalil Herbert. He's a guy that I talked a lot about last year. But him and Ebner are not the runners or slash rushers that David Montgomery is. He is a much better runner than both of those guys. I think he still gets the majority of the work, especially when they get down in the red zone. I think he's still going to be the guy. So I I think he's still in for a a decent season because I think that that, uh, what's his name? Head coach. I can't think of. Matt Eberflus. 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 Yeah, Eberflus. Yeah. So it's it's been reported that he seems to be, I shouldn't say seems, he's a, a smart guy. They consider him a very good offensive-minded head coach. I assume that they're going to build the offense around Fields, Montgomery, and Mooney. So I think Montgomery is going to get a fair share of work here. As for Connor, I just don't think he's got 20 touchdowns in him again. I mean, it may, I, I feel like I could be very, very wrong on him. because no, you're not wrong. Um, I'm not in on Eno Benjamin. I don't know that Keontae Ingram really does much. Jonathan Ward, I still don't know who that is. <laughs> Darrell Williams, though, like I do think could eat some in. I, I don't think he's going to be like a massive guy. He's really only had like one great game with the Chiefs. It's not like he, he – we, we pump him up because of the one great game. But I, I just don't think he has 20 touchdowns in him again. And, and I would not bet on him staying healthy for a full season because I think last year was – one of his more healthier seasons, he still missed, I believe, two games. He's, I think, only had one season where he's played the full full year. So I expect he probably misses a game or two, and I just don't expect him to have the production that he did last year. So Josh Jacobs, RB21, RB8, RB12, Montgomery, RB24, RB4, and RB17. So you are right, Jacobs finished over him two out of three years. They weren't as far apart as you remember because both he and Jacobs missed time as rookies. The, the rookies, yeah. They were both low-end RB2s. But it'll be yes, interesting to see where they go, Miles Sanders, because all three of those guys are tracking in their um, contracts. Next up in the countdown, uh, we're starting to begin our, uh, our all-hype uh, hype section, which is – First up, J.K. Dobbins coming in as consensus running back 18. I had him at 19. Dennis had him at 21. Matt, you have him up at 16. What do you like about J.K.? 
he's a very talented running back. I, I I feel like we maybe have forgotten that because it's been forever since we've seen him. But coming out, he was, I believe, my third-ranked running back behind Taylor and Swift. He We talked about when he got drafted by Baltimore. That's the perfect offense for him to go to with his play style, the way he runs, having Lamar there. Gus Edwards is going to likely, it sounds like, miss more time than Dobbins. Like, I I don't know that Dobbins starts the season. That's obviously a big fear, but at least he's, it does sound like he's going on pup or anything like that. So at least he'll be there. Maybe he's not the starter right out the gates, or maybe he's not getting the full workload right out the gates, but I expect Baltimore to be back. We talked about this with Lamar on Wednesday show. I expect him to have a really good season. I think Baltimore is going to be a really good team. They don't have the weapons right now to be a high passing offense. So what are they going to do? They're going to continue to run the ball. They've got a good offensive line good play calling like I just think Dobbins is in for a lot of volume may not get a lot of receiving work which is why I didn't rank him higher but I think he's gonna get I think he's gonna go over a thousand yards rushing this year I think he could get easily I shouldn't say easy I think he'd get like eight to ten plus touchdowns this year I feel like that warrants putting him up in the middle here of the RB2 uh, section yeah I, I feel like he could do those things but there, there's still an awful lot of talk about them starting him slow. He's not going to start out on the pup list. They have placed Gus Edwards on the pup list, though. But they signed Mike Davis, so we're going to get about four to six or weeks or so of Mike Davis taking touches from J.K. Dobbins so that they can ease him into it and make sure he's healthy. And I, I just feel like that's going to be counterproductive to his, his season – He's going to have a good year. I, I agree. A thousand yards seems to be in the cards because he's a really good running back. I just think they're going to be very, very cautious with him. I don't know if their perception is, well, we need to take it easy with him so he doesn't get injured again. And so they're going to purposely keep uh, limiting his touches even after he's 100% or, or what. But right now their plan is to take it slow with him. Lamar is going to be Lamar. He's going to he's going to run the ball too. Uh, I think they're going to pass a little bit more. Uh, I I like overall. I think the Baltimore offense is going to be great. I I'm looking for reasons as the as we move closer to kickoff of opening night to move uh, Dobbins up. Yep. Definitely a lot of potential. Next up in the countdown is Elijah Mitchell. Uh, getting, uh, We expect him to be the lead back for the 49ers. Matt had him down at running back 21, but Dennis, you and I had him at 16. What are you excited about with Mitchell in year two? Uh, I just think, you know, he knows the offense. He's he's the guy they want to, to run the ball. Uh, I know that there's a, a plug-and-play aspect of the Kyle Shanahan offense that they can just put any running back in there and they'll be successful. But when they've got a really good running back, Shanahan wants to use the really good running back. I, I think he kind of have to be, you know, to cop a term from Bob Harris, you know, injury agnostic. Everybody gets hit. Everybody plays hard. Everybody gets injured. And so at this point, I, I don't feel like I want to penalize him for, you know, getting banged up his first year in the NFL a little bit. Uh, and then they're taking it easy with him here in training camp. I, I like Mitchell a lot. He showed that he really fits that offense. He's he's the type of back that Shanahan wanted. 
and he has slid right into that offense and has taken over being the number one guy there. And I don't think there's any question either on the team or in the media or in fantasy that Mitchell is the number one guy. And if we've spent years saying, hey, we want to we want the Shanahan running back because they produce. And now all of a sudden we're going to be like, oh, well, but not that running back. No, I, I like Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, I actually, uh, I agree with what Dennis said on the injury agnostic thing. Uh, I mean, we've I've talked about this before with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was labeled as an injury-prone player until all of a sudden he wasn't because he's played, like, practically every single game. Like, you can't knock a player because of that. Could just be, you know, we're like like Saquon Barkley. I mean, granted, yes, he's been injured every single, but it's been weird things. It's never been something like he just tears his ACL every single season. Like, last year he missed a lot of time because a dude stepped on his foot and he rolled his ankle. Like, you can't call somebody injury prone because of that. I do, and, and you know, I've talked about this before. We, we talked about this, we did, I believe, uh, we, either we talked about our, it was our top dynasty running backs and, and Dennis brought up Elijah Mitchell and I said I didn't think he was that productive and then it turns out he's actually been he was actually very productive last year in, in most of the decent metrics what does worry me is Jeff Wilson and Tyrion Davis Price and if Trey Sermon makes the roster because I don't know if he is or isn't reports yesterday where he's going to get cut and then John Lynch comes out today and says he's been the most impressive player in camp I don't know what to believe with Trey Sermon what worries me, though, is I don't think Elijah Mitchell is a special player. And I think to be the lead back in a 49ers offense and Kyle Shanahan's offense, you have to be special in something. And I don't see I think he's a very, very good running back. But I could very easily see a game where Elijah Mitchell struggling a little bit and Jeff Wilson comes in, breaks off a couple big runs or gets a big catch and does something. And then all of a sudden, it's a Jeff Wilson game this game. He's not going to take over as a starter, but you lose out on getting a lot of points from Elijah Mitchell because it's a Jeff Wilson game. Or Tyrion Davis-Price has a couple good games. The next thing you know, he's getting a lot more work until Elijah Mitchell goes back. We've just seen that too often in the 49ers offense that I'm afraid to believe Mitchell is going to be a guy that I can truly trust on every single week, and so therefore I'm just kind of out on him. I do think he probably outscores the ranking that I have him at. I put him at RB21, but again, some of that too was like, I just I believe in some of the other guys ahead of him, and i just rather have him because I think there's more safety there, and I, I tend to sometimes when it comes to those running backs play it a little bit safer than just bet on the upside. Find somebody who loves you as much as Kyle Shanahan and the Patriots love running back by committee. Next up in our order is our highest ranked uh, rookie, and that is Brees Hall, the only rookie to crack the top 24 for us this year. Uh, I have him down at running back 20. Dennis had him at 17. Matt, you have him at 15. What makes you excited about Brees Hall? I, I don't believe the Michael Carter running with the ones matters at all. I just I do think he's going to get work. He's not going away. But Brees Hall is a much better version than Michael Carter at everything. I've said that before. I truly believe that. He's a, a really good running back, incredible vision, incredible footwork. Like maybe he I don't I've, I've said before he's not as fast as Jonathan Taylor. I know the combine says otherwise. I don't know what they were doing with those clocks, but they were wrong. Regardless of that, Brees Hall is a very good player. We know Zach Wilson, was it, is it four weeks he's supposed to be out because of that? So, like, he could come back week three of the season, maybe? Like, uh, best two. bet? It was week first two. week of the regular season. Matt's not my strong suit. Week two, best bet, Zach Wilson comes back. 
I would not be surprised if Joe Flacco's checking down to Brees Hall a couple of I don't even know if they rushed Zach Wilson back, but I think he's still going to be a very good rusher. Obviously, they lost um, – was it Becton that got injured? Yeah. Um, yeah. That that does hurt Hall. I actually would have had Hall higher had Becton not got hurt. But I think he's going to be very good on the ground. We saw good games out of Michael Carter last year. That's why everybody was so excited about him coming in this year. And then they go and draft Brees Hall. So I just think he's going to be in for a good year just because the team is going to be bad, which I think all three of us fully believe probably the worst team in the AFC East. Doesn't mean Brees Hall will be bad. He's going to get volume. I think he produces. They did get Dwayne Brown and moved George Fant back to right tackle. So not a terrible solution. I don't know. I think Dwayne Brown's as old as I am. Um, that That's potentially true. But but can he still block? That's all okay. that matters. All right. Next up in the consensus is Leonard Fournette. And um, you had him at 19, Matt. I had him right on the cusp at running back 13. But, Dennis, you had him at running back 11. Not worried about the offensive line issues in Tampa Bay? Uh, I the offensive line issues are going to be a problem, but that doesn't mean Lenny's not going to get volume. So he'll be in there, one, because he knows how to protect Tom Brady, and two, because somebody's got to run the ball, and he's going to be the most effective guy running the ball. And while White may very well be a better pass catcher, I think we got to wait till White becomes – a competent pass protector before he starts taking uh, work away from Lenny. So I think Lenny gets a lot of volume. Uh, I think last year he had 63.4% of the snaps. I think it's going to be every bit of that and maybe even more this year. Yeah, I'm just a little bit down on him. I'm down on Tampa Bay altogether. We talked about this with the QBs. Um, You know, we hear it from all these NFL players all the time. If you're thinking about retirement, your mind's already out of the game. Tom Brady wasn't thinking about it. He did it. And then he came back. See all the issues with that offensive line. I just don't think that this is going to be the great Tampa Bay team we had last year. I still think they win the NFC South. I think Fournette's going to produce, but I think you're going to take – I think – receptions will come away from him a little bit and possibly go to Rashad White and still probably gets the the rushing volume that Dennis mentioned. So I think he has a decent season, but I don't think he produces what he has been, which was close to a top 12 guy the past couple of years. The next one up in the consensus coming in at running back 14 is Ezekiel Elliott. Dennis had him at 15. I had him right there at 14. Matt, you were the highest at 13. Uh, Dallas, another team that has some line issues and questions, especially with Tyron Smith tearing the hamstring off the bone. That's got to hurt. How are you feeling about Zeke? He's also got Tony Pollard in his in his back. That's all I care about right here, baby. Jerry Jones said he's going to, we go the way Zeke goes. That's all I care about. Tony Pollard, I think, is still going to take a lot of the receiving work, which hurts him. I do not think Zeke is still a bad, I don't think he's a bad bag. Is he maybe a little bit of a front runner? Is he maybe a little bit of a diva? Yes, 100%. But I still think he's a really good running back. I think Dallas is still going to be a good team, as much as it pains me to say that. So I think Zeke is going to be in for a good year. I I do. Jerry Jones loves him some Zeke Elliott. And when he loves a player, we know he will. I don't think he can. He will call down on the headset during the game and tell Mike McCarthy, I don't care what you want to do, Mike. You're going to run the ball with Zeke four times right here. 
I just think he's going to get decent volume and he's still going to be a very good running back this year. And this is probably it. So enjoy the last ride while you can. This is this the where I do my annual sell Zeke? Yeah, I think we I think we passed that. You're not. You, I don't think you can sell at this point. It's just you know enjoy the time you have left with him because right. it's yeah. not much. Well, our next one, Dennis, you were uh, the highest, and that's uh, right on the cusp of RB1. We have at Consensus 13, Saquon Barkley. Matt had him at 14. I had him at 15, but you have him at 12. He was RB30 last year. You think he gets enough of an uptick to go back to being an RB1? I, I think they don't have a whole hell of a lot of other choices. I mean, are you going to take Saquon Barkley off the field to put Matt Breda on it? You know, well, I wouldn't, but Joe Judge did. So I, I don't, I'm not saying that. No, Joe A-ball Judge will. did. Did Booker? Yeah, no, that's Booker. Yeah. No, I, I think you know Barkley is primed for a bounce back. He's going to be the focal point of the offense. They've got some playmakers at wide receiver with Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson. Uh, they've invested in the offensive line, and I believe in Dable. I think Dable is going to help put them in position. But Barkley does things that Dayball never had a running back that could do that in Buffalo. So I'd like to think Dayball's a smart coach and is going to go, hey, I've got a six foot, 230 pound back with athleticism like few people in the NFL. I think I'll try to get him the ball frequently. So, yeah, I think I think we're looking at a bounce back year. This is a prime guy that. I think because he's what 26, 27 now. Yeah, he's not old. Let him, but uh, he's got a couple more years. But I think in in Dynasty, you let him run wild this year and ship him off in the offseason. And now he'll be my new Zeke. I'll say that for the next four years. My my only concern with Barkley is I wonder how much receiving work he'll get. Um, I talked about this when the Bills drafted James Cook. Now, granted, Dennis just made a great point. He didn't have a receiving back like that or even a, a talented back like that was in Buffalo. But they averaged, I believe it was like 50 passes to the running backs. It was one of the lower ones in the NFL. I've always stated I don't think Saquon Barkley is necessarily a great rusher. He's just very athletic, and when he gets into the open field, he can make you miss in a phone booth. But I, I do think his vision is not quite there with some of the other better backs in this class. So if he doesn't get a lot of receptions, I think his upside is limited. Yeah, and you never know with all those gadget receivers they got, like Wandale and Kadarius Tony, might be more of the short passing. We have hit our RB1 coming in at running back 12 in consensus is the Browns' Nick Chubb. Dennis had him at 14. I have him at 11. Matt, you had him at 9. You think the Browns run wild with Jacoby Brissett leading the charge? I mean, it's Nick Chubb. I just I can't quit him. I, I think that he's going to be the guy – for most of the first part of the season, will he get? I this is going to sound crazy. I think when I say this, I think he's going to get over a hundred yards, possibly close to every single game in those first eleven. Doesn't seem like whatever's going on with Kareem Hunt has been great. They seem to really like Jerome Ford, but I don't know that Jerome Ford's a guy who's going to cut into Chubb's workload a lot. I don't think they're going to pass the ball a ton with Jacoby Brissett. I know, Matt, we kind of disagree on what we think the Browns can do. We talked about that on Wednesday. But with that defense, which I think realistically could be a top-five defense in the NFL this year, we've seen with Wirt, with a 26th-ranked defense, Kyle, not Kyle Shanahan, although he practically is with the way he runs his offense, Kevin Stefanski 
wants to play defense and run the ball, even with the shitty defense. Now he actually has a good defense where he doesn't have to have an offense outscore or try and keep up with you. I think it's going to be a ton of let's just hand the ball off to Nick Chubb. That offensive line is healthy right now, and it's good to go. Let the offensive line block for Chubb. Let him get his yards. We know once he gets in the open field, he can leave you in the dust. I just think he's going to have a really good first start to the season. It's going to keep him up there, uh, especially when Watson gets back. My biggest concern is that Kevin Stefanski keeps using Kareem Hunt and Ernest Johnson, and he's added Jerome Ford to the mix. Nick Chubb only played 43.5% of the snaps last year in the games he played. I mean, he's super productive. Nick Chubb is a guy that I wish, I wish Nick, can if Nick Chubb got Najee Harris volume, it would be amazing. I mean, we'd be talking 2000 yard season, but he doesn't. And that's just, uh, unfortunately, it's a classic case of a coach outsmarting himself. I, I just, I don't see the re I, yeah, Kareem Hunt's pretty good. He's not as good as Nick Chubb. Give Nick Chubb the fucking ball. Like, more. More. I actually don't mind it. And the reason why is I think it keeps Chubb fresh. I had a bet with someone last year that Chubb would outscore Kareem Hunt in the games that they played, and he practically did in every single game. Like, Kareem Hunt gets the ball, and it's frustrating for Browns fans because, and Dennis, I know you watch the games too. It feels like what happens is Nick Chubb takes him down into the red zone, and then here comes Nick Chubb out, and here comes Kareem Hunt in, and you're like, especially as a fantasy owner, you're like, no, 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 put Chubb back in. I want that six points. He finishes a top 10. It was RB7 last year. Like, he still produces, and he's continued to produce every single year, even the year that I believe it was he missed six games because of it was a hamstring or I can't remember what he injured. And Kareem Hunt was the starter. And then Kareem Hunt got injured, I think, three games later. But regardless, he only finished six points behind Kareem Hunt at the end of the day. Like, Nick Chubb just produces. I agree with Dennis. Like, if he was on a team, if he was on the Cowboys that just fed, Nick Chubb, I think, would be contending with Jonathan Taylor as the RB1. But he's not. But I don't think at the end of the day that's a bad thing for Chubbs. I think it keeps him fresh. Next up at running back 11 is Dalvin Cook. Matt, you had him right at 11. I had him at 12. Dennis, you had him at RB8. You're all in on Cook. I just think Cook is getting what Nick Chubb isn't, value. He's an explosive back. He catches the ball well. Uh, you know, that offense doesn't change. And granted, they've changed with a new head coach. But – it, they have handcuffs. They don't have compliments. And that's just the way that offense is set up. Cook is going to get volume. He's, he's yeah, he's going to miss two games probably. But in the other games, it's all Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I like the volume he's going to get. I think he may lose out on some of the receptions because they want to pass the ball more to the receivers, it seems, based on the, the recent comments. But I, I, he's going to be he's going to be good. I mean, after all, you did draft him in the mock. So, uh, next up in be. the <laughs> next up, running back ten is Aaron Jones. You had him at twelve, Matt. Dennis, you had him at ten. I was the highest at six, and I just, for me, it's the passing work. I think he could see a hundred uh, targets. But Dennis, how are you feeling about Aaron Jones? I, I'm at the point where I feel like the top end is a top five season for Aaron Jones. 
in the bottom end is probably a top 12 season for Aaron Jones. Um, he's such a good pass catcher. He's got a nose for the end zone. He's a good between the tackles runner, even what is he, 5'9, 209 or something like that. He he runs hard and strong and he stays generally healthy. I think him and Dylan both, if I if you had to pick two running backs off the same team, like which which backfield would you want to roster both players? The Packers are the team for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, I don't think A.J. Dillon's going to work too much into to Aaron Jones' workload, so I had him as a top 12 running back. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes a little bit higher, but uh, I just worry a little bit about what they do as a, as a rushing team, uh, especially knowing that Rodgers doesn't have a lot of receivers. Next up in the countdown is uh, Javante Williams. He comes in at RB9. I had him at 9. Dennis, you had him down at 13. But, Matt, you have him at running back 6. No fear, Melvin Gordon. No, and I I feel like uh, the perfect comp to this is what we just talked about with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Now, granted, Melvin Gordon is not the receiver that Kareem Hunt is, but he's still a decent receiver. I think at the end of the day, they're just going to rely on Javante. And Melvin Gordon is going to be the guy who comes in and allows Javante to get a little bit of rest. Javante was a great receiver at North Carolina out of the backfield. Russ is not afraid to check it down. And I actually think the loss of Tim Patrick may help those running backs. I know, Matt, you talked about, I can't remember his name, but you talked about him on Wednesday. Is kind of really surprised in camp. Now, all of a sudden, he may be working his way in. You've got KJ Hamler, who's looked good. But I think this could actually help out Javante and possibly getting some more dump offs or screen passes to him. So I just think he's going to be in for a great season because, again, same thing with Jacobs. It's a very good division, very good conference. They're going to have to score points. And I think, again, when you get down in the red zone, NFL teams still just want to run the ball in. It's the safest bet. They don't pass the ball as much. And I think Javante is going to be that guy. Yeah, I just have, have concerns. You know, he doesn't have Drew Locke and. Um, a cat that cast of characters throwing the ball around the field now it's Russell Wilson he's gonna lose some opportunity in the passing game because the wide receivers and the quarterback are gonna be better together and he's well he'll probably pick up a little bit of rushing share uh, you know Gordon has said they want Javante to be the guy he fully understands that uh, I, I just think the overall game is gonna step back a little bit we're probably a year away uh, from them give it turning the backfield over to to Javante next year. I'll probably have him higher this year. I think he's going to be right around the 12, 13 fringe. I hope Matt is right. Coming in at number eight is Derek Henry. Had an injury last year that set him back a little bit. Uh, wasn't didn't look quite the same when he came back. Matt has him at running back ten. As do I, Dennis. You have him at running back seven. You're still a believer. I'm still. I mean, what else do they got? Even you know they their offense is we've got the the biggest baddest running back in the NFL. We're going to give him the ball and. They, that's just what they do, and he delivers. And until he stops delivering, he only stopped last year because he in, injured his foot. Where a year later, his foot is healed. I, you know, I'm I'm not going to predict he gets injured again. I think Henry has still got a season or two of high level production left in him. 
Yeah, I think he's going to be fine this year. He's going to get the volume. Biggest thing is when we talked about the a lot of these teams that felt like all of us were kind of in on Tennessee just not being a good team this year. I think that's what affects him. He's going to get the volume, but I think scoring opportunities might get limited a little bit more, which just drops him a little bit. Still a top 10 running back, though. Yeah, that's where it is for me. Next up at running back seven is Alvin Kamara. Uh, Dennis had him at nine. I had him at eight. Matt, you have him up at seven. Uh, you excited about what he can do with James Winston? Yeah, I, I think they're going to scheme the 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 game around him. There's no other running back in that room that I'm at all worried about. I'm pretty sure I heard a recent report. I can't remember if it was Rappaport or um, Schefter that Mark Ingram actually just filed for his AARP stuff, so he's probably on his way out of the league. Like, there's nobody there for New Orleans. I like Abram Smith, but I don't think that he's going to take, like, this massive step forward this year. I think he's still going to be a guy behind Alvin Kamara. Obviously, I know a lot of people love Tony Jones. I don't know who Adam Prentice is. Dwayne Washington's fine. Like, Kamara's going to, I think, get a decent amount of rushing work this year, and I still think they will scheme ways to get him the ball in the receiving game. Michael Thomas injured. They got Chris Olave. Jameis Winston's just going to throw the ball all over the field. Kamara probably benefits from that. Nothing from you? Nah. You guys covered it. Next up is Joe Mixon coming in at running back six. Uh, I had Mixon at five. Matt had him at eight. Dennis, you have him all the way up at four. Are you excited about Mixon this year? I am. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, is Samad JP rang? Really, is he a threat? Uh, as much as I like Chris Evans, I think, you know, Evans is, is a backup at this point. It's the Joe Mixon show in Cincinnati, and it's one of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL. And while I could definitely see a scenario where Mixon is towards the bottom half of the top 10 in running back yardage, I also see a scenario where Mixon drops a John Connor-esque touchdown season on us. And he's an excellent. Yeah, him too. Not Sarah Connorson. And he's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. So uh, I think Mixon is set up to have a career year. If he walked off this season as the RB1, I would not be surprised. Come with me if you want to live. That's Terminator, right? Yes. Okay, that was just popped in my Yeah, I'm with, my only fear with Mixon is if Burrow just decides he's going to go nuclear and throw like for five, 50 attempts every game. Outside of that, I think Mixon's going to be just fine. Mixon was RB4 last year, even with the same volume, so definitely a good case. Next up at RB5, DeAndre Swift. I had him at six. Dennis had him at five. Matt, you were the highest at four. You think this is the year that he maybe explodes as a runner? No, not really. But I think he's going to be really good as a receiver. Uh, I think he's going to be fine as a runner, but I think his game is receiving. And Dan Campbell seemed to get that last year. I mean, he was really struggled the first part of the season. Then he had the injury, which I think he's battled for for most part. They came back at the end of the season. I think had a good game and then a couple bad games. It was really good. It was either one or two games in the playoffs. I think that they're going to use him more in the receiving game. I'm actually, I haven't not watched. I know a lot of people have said that like hard knocks has been amazing so far this year with that. With Dan Campbell. I have not, I usually wait till the last episode. And I just binge the whole thing. I honestly, I think I've, you got Matt has talked me into it. I think I'm in on possibly the lions making the playoffs this year. I just, I think, they're they're continuing to get better and better every year, and I think Swift is in for a as long as he stays healthy. As Dennis has mentioned multiple times on this podcast, you can't bet on injury. 
if he stays healthy, I don't see any way he doesn't finish as a top five running back. I I am all in on DeAndre Swift. I think just like Matt, he's he's a dynamic runner as well as receiver. I think he 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 could have potential to be the RB one, but I think that everybody is so in love with the aura of Jamal Williams. That's like, how can we not give this guy snaps? How can well, we he has been kind of one of the stars of hard knocks. Right. It's like, you know, you have to reward him. He's a Dan Campbell kind of guy. And so, unfortunately, I think that cuts into Swift. Uh, Swift, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Swift had a Alvin Kamara-esque 81 reception season. Next up, a guy that finishes running back two last year, and that's Austin Eckler. I was the highest at four. I still believe in the rushing receiving. I think the Chargers are going to be a, a good offense. Matt had him at five. Dennis, you had him at six. Did you drop him a little bit because you think he's going to seed some carries? Um, Yeah, I, I think, you know, Joshua Kelly has looked pretty good this offseason. Um, Larry Roundtree has had moments of inconsistency. And then Isaiah Spiller is a fairly highly regarded back. But I think the big thing is they've got three really good wide receivers in Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Josh Palmer. And then their tight end with Everett and, and Parham are both big red zone threats. I'm more concerned with uh, Eckler losing some of his touchdown volume. He had, what, 20 touchdowns last year, 18 touchdowns combined, 18, something crazy yeah. like that. So – I think he loses he, – he takes a dip there. And he's openly advocated for fewer touches to keep himself healthy longer. I don't think he drops far, but I just think he dips down a little bit from last year. For me, and I know he may miss some time. Rumors are that he'll be back by week one. I think it's Isaiah Spiller for me. It is the only reason I dropped him a little bit. They've never had a back that, in my opinion, as is as talented as Isaiah Spiller is. He's not taking the job from Eckler. He's not going to put it into like a 50-50 work share. But as Dennis mentioned, he's been very open and honest about it. He wants to take some of the carries off because he wants to be healthy for a full season. So I think that does take not just rushers, rushes because Isaiah Spiller is also a really good pass catcher, possibly some receiving off of him as well. And if he brings back some of the touchdowns, he's going to fall just a little bit. The top three backs, we all have the same three guys, just a slightly different order for two and three. So I'm going to do them together here, and we'll talk about why we had them different. Number three in consensus is Christian McCaffrey. Dennis and I both had him at three. Matt, you had him at two. And coming in at two is Najee Harris, who Dennis and I had at two, and you had at three. So, Matt, what gives CMC the, the edge? Got to be injury agnostic, right? That's what that's what we've been talking about all if I think I'm we all are, on, we wouldn't have put them up in yeah, the top three. If, if we're betting on CMC being healthy all season long, I had him as running back one before I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't quit Jonathan Taylor. He's got to stay at one. What CMC can do on a football field, no other running back can do. As much as I love Jonathan Taylor, he cannot do what Christian McCaffrey can do. Nobody can. He's going to get the volume, I believe, still rushing the ball because I don't think Chuba Hubbard's the guy. I like Dante Foreman. I think he's going to get some work. He's not going to be a guy that knocks CMC off the field. Matt Rule is trying to win. Whether he wins or not, I don't know if that's going to happen, but he's trying to win. He's trying to save his job. We've seen Baker Mayfield 
And I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I looked this up a long time ago when the rumors were first about him going to Carolina. I know for sure he was top five. I want to say he was top three. Since he has been in the league and a starting quarterback in the NFL, I believe it was top three, but I'll say top five just to kind of blanket my statement and cover myself here. In passes to running backs, he is not afraid to check the ball down, and that only means great things for CMC. If he stays healthy, I think he's the running back one, but Taylor's a safer bet because Taylor is – I don't think Taylor's missed a snap in practice. He's been so fucking healthy. Excuse my language. So I had to put him there as hedging my bet, but I, I mean – Najee, you get to questions about the workload. And regardless, like he was not that good of a runner last year. A lot of his stuff came in the receiving work. CMC can do it. Even if his receiving takes a step back, he can still finish his RB2 because of what he can do as a rusher. So I just, I had to put him there. I I can't argue against it. I just, for me, I, I think that not playing the last two years has to count for something. Uh, Harris is a younger back. He's a bigger back. He can, I think he can withstand the punishment. I I love Baker's intensity, but he's not consistent across the whole season. Baker makes poor decisions. And that's going to put the team in a position where then Matt Rule makes some poor decisions. Um and and as much as I I I won't be surprised if McCaffrey's the RB1. Um, but I won't be surprised if Harris or Taylor are either. And I we I, I agree with you, Matt. I think the reason we have Taylor at one is because he is the safest bet with the highest ceiling. McCaffrey has a he has a, a higher ceiling than Taylor, but he's not nearly as safe. And if I have to choose, if I'm looking for a tiebreaker right now, it's coaching. And, and Tomlin gets the edge over Matt Rule. Tomlin is not playing or coaching desperate. Matt Rule is coaching desperate, and it's going to lead to mistakes and miscalculations. And while Pittsburgh's O-line isn't real strong either, um, I, I feel like the, the game plans are going to put Pittsburgh in a little bit better position, and, and I think that's going to benefit Najee. And so – I mean, we're splitting hairs. I mean, it, you know, could be like a 0.05 per game difference that we're talking here. Yeah, and I think you can't go wrong with any of these top three. Jonathan Taylor, of course, is our universal number one uh, choice, um, which, you know, if you were listening to the countdown and not hearing his name, you had to figure he was in there somewhere. Um McCaffrey is definitely a player I've kept creeping up throughout the offseason. I, I considered whether I would flip him and Harris. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. I'm going to do a quick recap. Number one, Jonathan Taylor. Two, Najee Harris. Three, Christian McCaffrey. Four, Austin Eckler. Five, DeAndre Swift. Six, Joe Mixon. Seven, Alvin Kamara. Eight, Derrick Henry. Nine, Javante Williams. Ten, Aaron Jones. Eleven, Dalvin Cook. Twelve, Nick Chubb. Thirteen, Saquon Barkley. Fourteen, Ezekiel Elliott. Fifteen, Leonard Fournette. Sixteen, Brees Hall. Seventeen, Elijah Mitchell. Eighteen, J.K. Dobbins. Nineteen, David Montgomery. Twenty, James Conner. Twenty-one, Josh Jacobs. 22, Travis Etienne, 23, Antonio Gibson, and 24, we had Cam Akers, A.J. Dillon, and Devin Singletary. So those are our top 24 consensus running backs. Dennis and I will be back on Monday with uh, another Mock Draft Monday. We're going to do a Superflex redraft 
uh, mock draft uh, should be a good one. Uh, and then on Wednesday, Matt and I will be back continuing with our top 24 wide receivers. Until then, Dennis, what should the people do? should go rate and they should go review. It really helps us out. Rate and review. Oh, and you could go to the merch shop too in my link tree and buy some uh, fantasy football roundtable merchandise. That'd be awesome. Have a great weekend. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump the me. Golly. Only they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? <laughs> <laughs>